This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Sefarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. You have somebody who has the question together? Some boys already have some questions ready, and then I... Okay, so fine. So we'll start whoever it is. Gabe. Yes. Uh, if you could just, before you ask this question, just tell me your name and where you're from, so I have some... Gabe Heiser from New York. Okay. Considering the fact that there's no archaeological evidence like regarding mass revelation until, until like it's written about thousands of years later, do you think it's possible that the contents of the Torah could have been just legends that were written down at some later point? Um, I guess the first question, archaeological evidence, if I can give you a marshal, I, I still remember when x-rays was the only tool, really, imaging tool. And a person could take an x-ray and not find anything wrong because x-rays don't deal well with soft tissue. They don't deal at all with soft tissue. So until you didn't have something like MRI, it was, you, could, you could take x-ray and it actually says you're perfectly healthy and you had the cancer there, and if the cancer was soft tissue on soft tissue, until it descended something, you couldn't tell. Archaeological, the first question about archaeological evidence would be, what archaeological evidence would there be from Haimar Hasina? Um, you know, to, to ask ourselves, so when people say there's, a, a, there's not a lot of archaeological evidence, a, lot, a lack of archaeological evidence is suspicious when one would expect it. The, the, the more, I guess, the, the real, I don't want to say proof, but the real argument that the, that the revelation um, about the strength of our Mesorahs is a few points. First of all, when did it start? You know, it's, if the legend, you know, it's, it's, somebody had to start it. Whenever you had people in Chumash, in the story of Chumash, that were arguing on Moshe, nobody questioned Harsina. Nobody got up in times of Yeshua. In other words, there is no one who casts doubt. When somebody starts something, let's give an example. Mohammed came along, and he said, Rav Isai, I know Rav Isai, in Arabic, Rav Isai, President Rav Isai, he said, I just had a revelation. And half the Arabs said, well, and half the Arabs said, you're not. Um, mostly the Jews also say he's nuts. But so, so you have, okay, but somebody came along and he formalized the Torah and said, Rabbi said, this is God's truth. Who are the people who are arguing? The Karaites and the Stukin before, A, they always argued Torah Shabbal and B, they didn't even claim they had a Masorah, they just didn't like the Rabbi's ruling. There needed to have been evidence of a conflict when was, the, when, was the, when was it put together? When was it presented? Why is there no written record of Yaakov coming along, John Smith coming along and saying, I found the gold tablets written in ancient Egyptian script? Here it is. It, it, where is the narrative of that? Where, where are the events that happened? Where is the split in Kaleisho between the 50% people that liked it and 50% people didn't like it? There never was a doubt until very recently when people started doubting. So, so the lack of any... There's no narrative other than Har Sinai, about Har Sinai, and there's no narrative evidence writings about, about people saying, you just came along and foisted on us. Let's say, when did, those, when did the critical moment come when people accepted as Torah? 
if it happened at any particular moment, you can rest assured that half the Jews would have been against it. And, and, and that's more powerful. And that's a very, it's a very powerful argument. Again, proof, it's a very, the, the word proof is a dangerous word because proof is means something very different. But the argument, when did this event happen, is, is, is really begging for, you know, is begging to, to it's testing, it's, it's affirming that truth. Yes. You want something? I'm sorry. Yes. So on the topic of Har Sinai, yeah. um, I remember learning in the Raman Patanat in Mishnah, yeah. he says that Moshe received the Torah complete, like from the base to the Lamed. So yeah. I'm not really sure, I don't fully understand of how he was able to do that if you know, most of the Torah didn't happen yet. So in a sense, the Gemara, it's a machlokus in the Gemara, and the Rambam, if you look at the Rambam carefully, I don't have it in front of me now, but the Rambam says he was given mitzvah upirusha, which means the mitzvahs of the Torah, and both the pasik that tells you the mitzvah is sukkah station shavas yamim, and and the and and the and the basic halachas. I don't remember that the Rambam says the narrative of events was given before. I don't remember that he says that. So does that mean Moshe didn't know it? Or? It's about the Gemara. If Torah was, 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 was Megillus, Megillus didn't know, or Torah Hasuman didn't know. Um, the Gemara asks, what about the Pesach of Yeshua? What the Rambam is being madgish, again, if I, if I remember correctly, is the, 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 the halacha part of Torah, not, not the narrative of it. They said straight like from Beis, from Bereshit, to the Lamed in Kodesh You know what? I, I, I would need to take a look again. I, I don't want to put words in the Rambam. But the Gemara really argues whether each parasha was given as a happen or at the very end. The Goyen says, the famous Goyen that says that he was given the letters of the Torah without the, the, without the passing of it, which would make it intelligible in the way it is to us. So technically you had the letters, but they, they were still, they were still at, a, at a very seminal stage where it could form other words. And he says the word bedem. That's a famous guy on that Gemara over there. Um, but our companion, the basic issue is, is, is really in the Gemara, is, is Machok's in Gemara. Yes. It, uh, again, identify yourself, please, and just give me uh, uh, where you're Ali, from. I'm Ellie from Cleveland. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know if this is something that, I assume this is something that most people struggle with. I know I struggle with it. But how do you deal with the situation, or how should somebody go about when they when they know something is true, like they know something to be true, like a halakhic ideal or something true that is stated in the Torah, but up until the point that they learned about that, they had been doing, you know, doing it differently and they hadn't been doing it correctly. So how do you go about, like, pursuing that truth and, like, you know, reconciling what your life was beforehand and trying to adjust it to what you know is true? The first person who had this problem was Avraham Avinu. And Chazal say, he had it worse. He, he asked HaKadosh Baruch Hu what happened to all the years that was over Abu Zara. He, 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 um, he worked his way towards being a Maimon, was over Abu Zara. And the, the message brings a Pasuk in Tehillim, Lechot Tal Yaldusecha, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will give him back, just like dew evaporates and leaves no residue, so to the same here. If a person is born in a setting that did not give him the full knowledge or emotional baggage for keeping Torah mitzvahs. And the person honestly looked for Emes and tried to do the right thing and totally found it. My gut feeling is the path that led up to it was 
also right. Kaddish Baruch Hu doesn't give us situations that are inherently unfair and judges for it. So if a person had to come from far away, the road itself that you traveled is part, is part of the good that you did. Right? And the truth is, even if, you, even if you're not born, even if, you, if, even if you didn't come to religion later, everybody's a teenager at some point in his life. Better earlier than later. But, but people be, are teenagers. And people are young kids, and they do stupid things, and do crazy things, because they're kids, and they're teenagers. And as long as, if this is the way a person is created, and you move towards the right things, then, then, then this, this is your path to doing good, and that's part of the good. Yes? Again, identify yourself. Is that from New Jersey? From Englewood, yeah. How come, I don't know, it might be true or not, is when two Tanayim are arguing with each other, if one lived later than the other, should more weight be given to his ruling? Because he ruled at a time closer to when they were identified? So th- there are two almost contradictory klolev in Psak. One is we assume that earlier generations were more closer to the truth than later generations. And that's why no Amoru will argue on a Tana, no Rishon will argue on a Moraim, and we don't argue on early, really early Tkufis, and so on. On the other hand, within any one Tkufa, there's a cloud called Halacha Kibasroi, that the Halacha is like the later one. And the logic for it is, it's a cloud in the Gemara really, and it's used in the Rishonim, it, the, there's a logic for it. We say the later person heard the argument of the first one, and he probably incorporated it into his thinking process. The earlier person may not have heard the later one. So, so as a cloud, there's a tendency to go with Basroya, but it's not a foolproof. It's not foolproof. It's certainly not ironclad. It's it's um, there's a it's a tendency. It's it's not an absolute. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Again, just copy your name and add it. And Andrew? From? Yeah. yeah. Um, so we currently live in a time where there is no Bidamandash and there are no Nubian. And we say, or it says in the Jaram, that like, the ultimate purpose of life is to be good to Hashem. So without being able to see Nubian, or without really being able to see a Bidamandash, how do we know that we're doing it right? And how, yeah. You know, A, I'm, I'm impressed because I hear, you know, we talk a lot about missing the Besamikdash and, and we don't have a Besamikdash. And if you press people to the wall about what they miss about the Besamikdash, they, they're hard pressed. There's an old, like, Jewish tale where somebody's walking by a shul and people were saying kinnis and crying. So he pulls one man out and says, What are you crying about? He says, Besamikdash is destroyed. So he said, So. But the basic mission is straight. So, so he says, oh, the Mishnah says that that Akarish Baruch who took the taste out of the out of the meat from time Beis Hamikdash is is destroyed, and, and nothing tastes the same. The fruit don't have taste, and the meat don't have taste. So he said, well, it says that it that it went into the bone, so you can crack the bone and eat the marrow. So he says, I I have uh, dentures, and they don't crack. He says, I get it. He says, you're mourning the loss of your dentures. That's what you're mourning. The, 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 you put a finger on something and, and, and it shows certain sensitivity. Uh, that's impressive. The, the, um, in the big picture, 
there are different types of dveikus. You, you sometimes have a couple who have a very happy life together. Happy meaning externally a lot of blessings and showers, and it creates a bond. And there's sometimes when you go through a lot of rough goofers, a lot of problems and issues, and also as a way of bonding people. And you know, and and um, each bond has its own has its own special um, it, 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 its unique features. Akadosh Baruch Hu's the tefekas Akadosh Baruch Hu can be from someone who has tremendous hatzlach and ruchnius and Torah and so on and so forth, and he's very into it, and that's a tremendous bond with Akadosh Baruch Hu. And sometimes we can have a bond when we're so far and we miss it. And 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 we, and uh, we realize what we miss, and we live a whole life with it bothering us. That's also a real bond. And if a person loses that, then says, you know, our life is spiritually truncated. We we, we, we don't have it. That itself is a powerful bond. So Akash chose different ways depending on our mysim, but that would be the answers when the Tavikus comes in. How do we know that we're connecting them in the right way? Because like, we can't know, like, we can't see another who will tell us what to do, and we can't see like the, the, the individual. So how do I, how do you, how does one know that the path that they're taking is the right path? So the fact that we don't know, and we need to have a certain constant filler and constant bitachin in our Baruch Hu, that we're doing the right thing, um, is 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 what we're supposed to do. Uh, the, the, you know the. We, you're right, we live with a handicap of not having exact feedback, but if a person does with sincerity and he's mispal, HaKadosh Baruch Hu should lead him the right way, um, and he's boteach, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu will not mislead him, then, then, then he can feel that he, that, he, that he went the right way. Yes, you want to ask, sorry. Uh, yeah, Eitan Bordeaux from Arizona, New York. How do you deal with um, different pronunciations of words within different groups of Judaism? Like Spartan, Ashkenazi. Deal in what sense? Like, I mean, assuming that one, one group is right, like, how do you relate to that? Um, the 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 cloud is since we don't have any way today of reconstructing what's right, then the, the Gemara says that they found a few different Torah with different wordings, Ma'ona and, and so on, and they went Basarov. <coughs> so there are certain klolim in Halacha that tell us how to act when we don't know. No one today can reconstruct the right pronunciation. The fact that there are so many different groupings of really different pronunciations and, and sub-pronunciations means that we don't have a clear way back. We need to, it is, and that's why it's important. If you follow the Masora, you know that you didn't add more mistakes. If you keep changing to what you think is right, A, you, you, good chance that you'll mess up someplace, and the mess is going to be yours, not someone else's. You know, like this, I said, listen, this is what I was taught. So I don't, don't come to Tainus with me. The person who taught me Hebrew taught it to me Ashkenazi, Sfaradit, Teimani, Yaki, whatever you want. Um, you know, but 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 if we try to think with it ourselves, then we, then we run into a problem. You know, you think it with it, but you didn't do a good enough job or whatever. So the klalas, we tend to follow, um, we tend to follow what, whatever we're taught. Rabbi Yasha told me once about something similar about this <coughs> that Masoris is what your immediate teacher taught you. 
So you go back to that, and, and that's what, you know. The truth is, in, in modern, even people who are very not integrated into modern Israeli society have picked up, for instance, the, the normal Litvish pronunciation is Mila, is Mila El, not Milaram. The, the normal emphasis on the words is, is on a prior syllable, not the later syllable. And Lashon Kodesh is not like that. Um, if you hear, if you would hear an old Litvish person speaking and try to pronounce the words in Hebrew precisely, he would emphasize the first syllable. You know, and a modern briska, I don't know if that's an oxymoron or not, but, but somebody, a, a briska who is a living soul, he would say, because he's aware of, of the need to it. The iron. They, 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 they've, they've picked up on it and, and sort of made it. So, so there is a certain modest effect that the different relationships are having on each other. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting with that. Yes? Is it a problem? Yeah, can I just... I can just oh, do. sorry. Jason Weiner from Weiner. Yeah. Is it a problem for the Amasor and the Nagin that when all these Jews come to Israel that the, everything is being like, thrown together? Do you mean if it's a problem, if it creates problems? Well, I mean, is it creating problems? It used to. Um, there were some absurdities. Uh, Rabbi Vadi Yosef was at a best in Petah Tikva. He, he was once fired with two Ashkenazi Dayanim. A Sephardi couple came to get divorced, and the Dayanim spelled the get, the names of the get, in Yiddish. The, the traditional Shulchan Aruch spelling is Yiddish spelling, which is different than Russian Kodesh. Um, for instance, the, the iron is used instead of a segel. Very, very, and and it, he threw up his hands and he said, "No way." He said, "If you want Ashkenazim, Ashkenazim is one thing, but for a Sephardi couple to have that, so it did create problems. It created issues, um, but by and large, go around and look at people. Everyone seems to be happy with his own nusach, his own davening, and uh, they, they once." Somebody once proposed making a nusach mochedet mochat um, for, for davening in the army. He said there are twelve different nuschos around. I think it was Rivgarin. Maybe he said, "I want to make the nusach." Uh, uh, I forgot what it's called. Nusach, um, maybe mochat or something. And I, I don't remember who it was that told him all you're going to accomplish is there's going to be a thirteenth nusach. You're not going to you're not going to get rid of other nuschos. So you'll have a 13th Nusach. Um, so, so by and large, I think one, once upon a time there was a dream of having one common Nusach. I think the halachic right thing is to keep your Masoris. But I think there's a gradual effect between different Kehillahs one on another. Is that bad? I don't know. Why would it be bad? I, you know. Because the Minhagim weren't changing. Well, Minhagim a minute came into being with some sort of change. So, so the, as long as it's done through a process that's halachically sound and not an attempt to redo the, the halacha from scratch, it, it's, it's part of hashkach, I think. Yes? How do we, how you go? Yeah, the, the name is something. Okay. Yeah. Yoni Freed from Brooklyn, yeah. Yeah. How do you go about the uh, well talked like the talk about the focus between, uh, with Tchilas, as to whether we should wear or whether we shouldn't? And even if. Uh, Let's say it's a suffix, whether it's, it's the right thing. Do we still go about to wear it? Because we feel that uh, it looks, looks cool. So, 
Um, so the 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 the, the I guess the harder one to understand is obviously people who don't wear tchelas, <coughs> because halachically, if if you wear something which is looks like tchelas but it's not tchelas, it's not worse than white. There's no white doesn't mean white. It doesn't mean it's not tchelas. So, so what do you have to lose? That's a real. It's a, it's a strong argument. Um, th- the counter argument. Um, goes as follows. There's already been at least two, in the last hundred years, two, two people who came along and were confident and positive about their trailers, and it pretty much has been disproven that their trailers is trailers. So the sense is, unless we're a lot more positive, grasping at straws is not a sound way to do it. You know, there's something about it even the trailers, the, 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 the version of trailers, the, 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 the candidate for trailers that we have now, many things make sense, some things don't make sense. They just don't, they don't fit together. So the feeling is it's, it's, a, it's unsound that we keep sort of catching wind until we don't have something solid. There's also an underlying Kabbalah kind of uh, Mesoris that trailers won't be in the scale to Mashiach. Does that should that affect Allah or not? I'm not sure. But but the main feeling was just because somebody has a glint in his eye and says, I found the trailers absolutely true, is it's not it doesn't fit everything, it doesn't snap into place one hundred percent. It's possibly it's like imagine I find a piece, I, I have I have a hole in the wall and I find a piece of plaster and boom, it fits in exactly. So, so then I could say, I'm sure this is it. Let's say I find a half a piece that three quarters of the outline fits. It's likely, but it leaves us some guesswork here. And that's why I think the feeling was it's more people chasing after the wind, and it's wrong to encourage that approach. I, I gather that that's the feeling of people that people have. What about uh, Satik Gaisa Khumar? So saying that means when there's solid ground for it, as here, it's, it's an attempt. It's, it's like a mozzarella raya. We, we, 2000, these shells have been around for longest of times. Why didn't anybody figure it out before? Or like, what happened? Um, is it that Tchelis doesn't exist, actually? It, 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 the fact is, what we have doesn't fit everything 100%. It fits many things, the, the latest Tchelis. The latest Tchelis is a better candidate, the virtual candidate. It still misses a few things, and a few quite crucial things. It, it says that the shell looks like the ocean. It looked, this candidate doesn't look like that. The one before looked like that. Um, it says something about it, it, it's better if it stays alive when you, when you keep bleeding it. Nothing like that in, in this. That, that's a Gemara in Shabbos. I got it. It's a Gemara in Shabbos. So there are some issues with it. It's not pushing. So I, I think the feeling of the postgame is it's another fad. And a fad doesn't go into Suffolk. Suffolk means it's a serious enough, there are enough serious pointers. I, 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 I would have feel that it's the, their feeling like that. Yes. Um, I don't know if this is really an answerable question, but um, I know for most of us, we come from a background where I guess halacha isn't as strict as it's meant to be held, or just a lot of people view halacha as guidelines. Um, how would we be able to respond you know, to those kind of statements? Not necessarily to prove them wrong, but actually but to support like, what you've been exposed to throughout your year in, in Israel. 
How, how would you be able to approach let, it? Let me say, as a point of curiosity, something that you've piqued my interest, is, is, is what Danny's saying common? Do you, do you feel that way? Do you feel that this, this, this background and the tension of wanting to change it, is, is that a common sentiment or not? Um, you want to restate it? Because I, I think it's a very important piece that you that you that you raised. Um, it's it, it, the the um, first. Let me give you a practical point. When a person is in your age, you really are very serious about decisions making life, and you make possibly great changes. That's this is an age when people can have powerful ideals and emotions and, and make some very, very real changes in life. When you get older and settle down, your natural, your emotional metabolism doesn't allow you to make such great changes unless you're not a stable person. For somebody at 18 that changes, makes a sharp change in life, that's not a sign of instability. It's a sign of being 18. And that's the time when, when a person does those things. When a person is 40 or 50 and he makes great changes, the person is, is unstable. Um, a person who at the age of 50 puts on, uh, um, takes off his kippah and puts on a strimal and a bekesha, or takes off a bekesha and a strimal and puts on kippah sugar. It's strange. There was somebody, an in-law of my neighbor, who retired to Israel. So I assume if he retired, it must be 60. Somebody wore a bekesha. Next time I see him, he has a mustache and a kippah suga. You know, whoa, at 60, at 65, that's, that's a very, very strange, you know, and I, I you know, it's, it, it's a strange person. But at this age, it's very, so when you are addressing parents, society you came from and so on, it's not an easy question um, to deal with because for you right now, things that are not true are not true and things that are true are very true, and how can you say differently? You are right, but a person who's 20 years older than you, I know it is, but you know, that's the way it is. And you know, it's, it's kind of, emotionally you're coming from two very different places. The, 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 it, it makes no sense to accept Torah as a guideline. Either throw the whole thing out the window, or keep it. If Hashem didn't give it, then save yourself, the, the, you know, so do whatever you feel like doing. It, you know, if, if it's a guideline, it's not better than, 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 than a million other guidelines. So maybe some would say, like, for, you know, Durban halachos, that those might be guidelines, or not as strict. It would be true, except that all Durban halachos are the Raisa. The Rama, the, we, it's a passion of Torah Shoftim, that the Chachamim have the right to be metakein halachos, to keep us from doing a virus. So if a person doesn't keep muktzah because he wants to play with something on Shabbos, he's over the Rabbanan. If a person says that Rabbanan's halachas are guidelines, he's over the Raisa of Los Asr. And, and the Gemara says, how can we make a mitzvah? We make a, a, when, when the same person who has this attitude about Rabbanic guidelines says, Baruch HaTah Hashem Elekeinu Melech Olam Asher Kitzorim Tzvoyso V'Tzivonot L'Havik Ner Shul Hanukkah. He's lying. He's lying. Where Hashem tells us to keep Hanukkah? And then in, in another month or two, he's going to come along and say, Asher Kitzorim Tzivonot Amikra Megillah. Where did Akash Baruch tell us to read Megillah? You know, listen to what you're saying. 
so at a certain age, this is no longer a question because okay, you know, we say it because we say it. And, you know, there's, there's no, but it, it is. It's 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 absolutely shaker. A person, a person needs to define for himself what's right and what's wrong. And 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 uh, if Torah, if Torah is not a guy, I want to tell you uh, just a story. We're talking about how passionate a person should be about about the things that he believes to be right. One of the great lights of the Muslim movement was named Rabbi Yosef Horowitz. He was known as the Alter of Navardic. He, before Europe, he died during World War I. His yeshivas continued to World War II, and then they were mostly killed out. Um, he was a powerful believer in truth. And, and the sheet of Navardic was not to budge one inch from absolute truth, no matter how, what the consequences are. Very, very demanding. And one day, um, somebody, he was a very bright man, somebody came and knocked on his door and he introduced himself as a professor from university and from someplace from a big city. He heard how bright Rabbi Yosef Horowitz was, the alphabetic was. He's, he come to, he's come to discuss with him different issues. He wants to get, he wants to sort of lock horns with him. He gets some input and so on. So he said, great, I'm very glad you came. He said, here's the deal. How long do you want to stay here for? He said, a week. I said, fine, we'll spend a week together. If you're right, he said, I leave my talus and fill and my yarmulke here, and I go back, to, and I go to university with you. I'm finished. If I'm right, you stay here, and I have a talus and film for you with the yarmulke. This guy says, no, I didn't mean it. To, I just wanted to discuss. So he said, no. He said, life is too short for discussions. Life is there to search for truth. If it's right, then how can you not do it? And if it's wrong... Don't let it go over your doorstep. You know, Torah, we, 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 we let ourselves get killed for Torah. We've been living a miserable 2,000 years and sacrifice an awful lot for something that's sort of Benjamin Franklin's guidelines for being healthy, wealthy, and wise. Uh, if it's on par with that, then, then I would strongly advise the person to dump it. It's, it's not worth the price. You know, if you, pay, if you pay a dollar for an old copy of his wisdom, it's worth the price. But, but, but the sacrifice that Torah demands from you is not worth it if they're guidelines that, that, that are just, you know. Yes. Yeah, someone didn't do you. Anyone that had? Uh, you. Uh, I have a question about um, my Sabre Were you from, what's your name? Sorry. Elliot from Brooklyn. Okay, Where's yeah. My Sabre Um I'm just thinking about this. If the sun will agree on the third day, how is it lay on the first day? Good idea. Good question. Um, we know today that light has nothing to do with the sun. In other words, sun is a source of light, but light inherently, photons uh, are not are you know they're, they're, they're a, a let's call it a form of energy, uh, um, a, a certain oscillation. There was light, the degree of light, whether it's shown on the earth or not. But light was all, the, the whatever it is that a photon does and however it acts, that's light. The sun is a source of light. And if you take a look at the psukim, the, 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 the sun and the moon, everything, the, their main reason for being is to give us a calendar more than to, than to create the light and so on. It's a certain memshala and, and calendars. So light as, as a bria is way above the sun. It's, it's, it's what photons do. And, uh, and uh, sunlight is a particular source of light and warmth and, um, you know, magnetic storms and a whole bunch of other things. 
I don't know. I have no idea. It, it, but 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 it, you know, I, whether it came from a source or just all over, or photons were there potentially, I don't know. I mean, you can ask yourself another question. And again, once we talk, my separation is tricky because we're really talking about other things that we don't know and we don't understand. But as a as a as a something to puzzle over, ask yourself why was light the first thing created? If there's no one around, there are no plants who need it for photosynthesis. There's no people need to walk. There are no animals. It's like imagine building a building and starting with the lighting fixtures. Why? It, it's it's something to think about. Yes. Um, I don't remember the exact Rambam, but we were studying whether or not doing magic is holistically okay, and the Rambam says no, magic doesn't exist. And yes. His opinion was discredited because he was like influenced by the philosophers right. of his time. So if we're going to discredit his opinion there for being influenced by the philosophy of his time, why do we take his opinion seriously in other circumstances? Okay, so l- let's give it a little bit of a name. I, I, the Rambam says it in most places. The, the Gon is the one who writes in one place that he was influenced by his philosophy and so on. The, 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 um, the Rambam actually in one place says magic has some validity, but very little. But there is something to it. The Rambam in his Imperial Mishnayis, in the beginning of Imperial Mishnayis, that Imperial Mishnayis does actually say, "Fact, Imperial Mishnayis." As I mentioned before, he does say it. He says that it's it is true, and sometimes it is. Sometimes it's right, but m- much of the time not. Um, the reason the Rambam was a giant of a giant, possibly the greatest we ever had. The Rambam's halacha and everything else he wrote is clearly built. On the Gemara, the, the only the source for truth for us is the Gemara. The Rambam is valid because he builds the Gemara, and he takes from the Gemara, and he sticks to the Gemara. The Rambam, in this instance, where the Gemara does seem to feel that magic was 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 a, a real thing, was a real issue. Where did the Rambam say that it's not? That that's what bothered the guy. So he said, why everything else he sticks to the Gemara? He he you know he understands it in a certain way. All of this he just completely ignores. The Rambam felt that it's because he was involved with other Chachmas that he was misled. And it's the Goyen says that. I don't know if anyone holds like the Goyen. The Goyen is big, the Rambam is big. I'm not, I, don't, I don't have a place in that Machlokas. But, but, but um, I'm just saying, he said it only based on the fact that this Nekuda, he veered away from the Gemara. Yes? Uh, I hope this question isn't too broad. But to what extent should our belief in Hashem and the Torah and, and the rabbinic tradition be rooted in intellectual justification and, and logical and rational proof, or the extent that we can't try to prove like, the existence of all those things versus an emotional relationship to God? That like we just have an assumed belief in God and then we try to just strengthen it with our emotions and believing in God. Let me ask, does anyone have an opinion about what he asked? Does anyone want to offer a... Is it, should, we believe, should we base belief on intellectual proof, mesaurus, emotion, connection? Well, yes? Depends on the person. Depends on the person? Good answer. Not a, yes, let's hear. From what I've learned, um, I think belief starts with uh, a basic knowledge that God exists and, and a little bit of a leap of faith, and then by doing... Mitzvah and following Hashem's commandments, and comes from that. And by being a pra- like a practicing Jew, 
that from doing those actions they bring you closer to Hashem and then you real belief stems from that. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, I, I think in terms of machloke, I'd like to go back to who's the one that said it depends on the person. So the truth is as follows. Let's take something simple. When a cop is trying to determine who killed somebody, how does he do it? Well, the first thing is he asks himself, who would have wanted to kill him? You know, if it looks like a murder that was planned, somebody must have wanted to kill him. Who are the people that could have wanted to kill him? He looks around at clues that he finds. He, he gets informers to tell him, and, you know, and, and, uh, he can, and then he can track phones. He can do a lot of things. And, and, the, and, the, and, the, and then when he questions somebody, he uses some, some intu- intuitive sense about is the person lying or not. And if he finds a video, he knows for sure who killed him. But when we have many ways, no one way is safe and sound to prove it. Because when a person decides a woman that he would like to marry, or a woman decides on a man, how do you decide it? Based on what? Well, there's a whole bunch of things. What's the person's background? And what did I what did I find out about the person? I've spent time with the person dating. What's that like? What do we want in the future? There are many different pieces. A, a real, a really good emunah includes all of those pieces. That's the truth. And do, but for different people, different pieces are going to be the significant one. For some people, the intellectual approach is going to be the solid base. And doing the mitzvahs will help, and the, and the emotions will help, and so on. For some people, it's that feeling of closeness to Hashem Baruch that's the, that's really the cornerstone, and also the fact that 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 it makes sense, and we have proofs, and, and so on. So, I think the real answer is all the pieces are necessary, because if, if, if you walk into a place that it, it makes sense. But there's something of the feel of the people is weird. You're not going to become part of it. And if you like people, but what they're saying is utter nonsense, you're not going to agree with it also. So you need to have all the pieces in place, but you also need, each person has the main piece, the centerpiece of himself. Yes? Um, in the spray, the and Tugum, how, I guess for black better and religious, for the general population of Jews? Um... I think each kufa was different. They were different in terms of what their problems were. They're different in terms of, in, 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 if, you, if you learn Tanakh, they were, um, men, there were many of them at Azara. Was it a majority or just too big of a group to ignore? Not clear. Um, how many years in each one? So, yes. The times of the Azara, were they keeping too much horror? Like throughout that time, were they um, sh- sh- were they careful about Lashon Hara? Were they sh- they were much closer, they were much closer to revelation than we are. Correct, but they also had a much stronger Yitzhahara. Um So you know, Avodazara was very powerful, and it, 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 as we don't understand it because we we have to translate our taiva. Imagine if our taiva would be Avodazara. It would be very tough. It wouldn't be easy. So, so the um, the people in those days 
I think, had a very strong uh, type of Avodah And they probably kept the other things. It's just like in different, gen- in different kufas, different things were problematic. The Rambam, if you want to take the Rambam has a letter in Igris where he writes that the vast majority of the women in Egypt, where he was living, in his days in Egypt, were not going to the mikveh. And they would sprinkle water, like the Karaites said, you know, like Mexrika, like because it says the Pasik, you know, um, that and so on. And, and he came out with a big cherem, in case cherem didn't start today, the Rambam had a cherem, that any woman who, who, who doesn't go to the mikveh, the husband could divorce without giving a and so on and so forth. Very, very powerful. That seemed to have been the problem. You know, keeping Shabbos, Shoma Shabbos. When I was a little, when I was growing up, it still was a very big issue. Jobs demanded that you be there. Most jobs demanded Shabbos. Owning a store, your best day of business was Shabbos. It was a very, very difficult day to horror. Today being Shabbos, Shabbos is much easier. Yes, we, we have an iPod that we have to keep servicing on Shabbos. You know, the iPod demands we fed on Shabbos. But, 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 um, it, but people didn't have a livelihood if they didn't work on Shabbos. You know, your best business day was Shabbos. So, so each generation has their Yitzhahara. What can you do? That's, that's the reality of it. Yes? Uh, just to follow up my last question, what should the role of the yeshiva be for kids coming, let's say, for a year or two years in Israel? How should they approach, you know, trying to teach kids, you know, what the proper mahalaf is for, you know, establishing a moon and Hashem? There are some yeshivas that focus on justifying it intellectually, and there are those who just take belief in God as a given and an assumption and try to build on that. So should that be specific to kids and like yeshivas should just try Okay. To- uh, there are two parts to your question. What, what should the yeshiva like, you know, like this, a yeshiva with a, that's a two-year program, you know, a one- to three-year program. So the first thing I would say is, you know the, you know the famous line about teaching a person to fish rather than giving him fish? It, it, what a yeshiva is supposed to accomplish and um, and I've seen, like, but if you tell me what I've seen, I think Yeshiva does go far and accomplish it is to help them realize that you need to work a whole life on Yiddishkeit. Yiddishkeit is not something passive. If it's not active, it dies. It, it peters out. If you're not actively pursuing it, it's not easy when, later on, but if you're not actively pursuing it, you lose it. it it's, you know, it's like hot water, no matter how hot it is to start with. If you don't keep it hot, it becomes cool. That's a law of, of physics. There's no, you know, heat travels to cold. It doesn't, nothing heats up in its own. You have to keep it hot or you have to keep boiling it. What? It, it, it's the, the, that's, so, so yeshiva needs to do that. I also think a yeshiva is made for talmidim. And you need always to adjust. What are the needs of these talmidim? Um, is it ruach? Is that going to stoke Muna? Is it intellectual discussions? Is it is it hands? Is it is it is it active learning, animated learning? It's probably all of them, but the dosage, a, a good Rebbe slash yeshiva, will adjust the dosage to fit the Hamidim. Revolvers Rebbe Bracha was a mashkiach in in a big mashkiach in Eretz Yisrael, and he was from the last big balimus that we had. You want Ali? Sure, I'm sure you've heard of Revolver. He was in. Um, you heard of him because because I gave a share in Ali Shur in, in, in Yeshiva in the high school. Revolver was. Um, he was. Mash- he wasn't Mashkir on the Mir the list 
a few decades of his life, but he said a schmooze every other week. He was like a quasi mashkia. <coughs> so he once came in to my father. He used to come to my father. My father was a shiva to me. He used to come to him twice a year to visit Yantif to pay a, a, a like a you know a, a kabbal play rabbi type call. So I was there a few times, and once he was talking to him, and he said, "It used to be in Europe that the job of mashkiach was to sand you down." You came in rough, and the mashkiach would start chipping pieces off you. You think you're, you're, you think that you're, you're big masbid? You're not a big masbid. You're an attention grabber. You think that you're a big davener? You're, you're busy shepping nachas from how people are looking at Yishmael Esra, and so on. It, it, it used to be in Europe, but every did the mashkiach told you were wrong. Like, like if, you, if you said, thank you, the mashkiach said, What's this thank you about? If you didn't say thank you, where's the thank you? A mashkiach was there to always criticize, to, to shine you, you know, to like to buff you, to shine you, and so on. He said today, Revolva said, there's a new word now, dictionary. It's called depressed. If a mashkiach looks at a bacha, he's already depressed. He's the blues, and he disappears in shiva week. He said today the job of mashkiach is to prop up a bacha that he shouldn't be depressed. He should always feel good about himself. And so he, he said it a little bit sarcastically, not, but, but, but he said it with the realization, today, you can't just say blindly what was yesterday, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm doing today. Bacham, in Europe, people could take knocks, and people grew from it, and people anticipated it. Today, people need a lot of bolstering of their self-confidence. So you need to do that. You know? So yeshiva should be doing whatever the bacham needs. That's the. It's really what a yeshiva should do. Yes. First of all, I'd like to come to answer all the questions. Um, you know, I, I'd rather say the word discuss. I, I don't think there are answers to these questions. I think th- there are beginning of answers, but I would hope that you think and either think past my answer, develop the answer. Use it as a guideline. You know, these are questions. I mean, you're asking questions that are real life questions, and it's a, it's a development of your thoughts. So I, I would, you know, I, I will hope that I'm, at best, I hope I'm a catalyst. Okay. Um, how would uh, I don't know if this is common? Hopefully not. But how would one go about dealing <coughs> with a community rav who holds uh, many like ranking positions within the community who is a known tamalchacham, but People don't necessarily agree with his the way he interacts with members of the community. It's a real problem. It's it's a problem. You know, it's a dilemma. And and let me explain what the dilemma is. A rav of a community should be the leader of the community. His word and his deed should set the standard, the example, and people should follow, even if they disagree with what he paskined or whatever it is, they should follow. A, because they should suspect that maybe they're wrong, and B, because of that. What do you do if the Rav is a person who's not a good person? Unfortunately, Rabbanama chose my communities. Some communities are very astute in picking a leader that deserves the, the, the title Rav. It's not only based on knowing Gemara or Halacha, it should be based on a person that has a diagram of a certain shlemus. If you don't, it is a real issue there. And a community is best to try to find 
as someone that, 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 that they, they can look up to as a person. It, it's, it's sad. People, communities, you know, a Rav is as good as the community that shows them many times. And if the community had a certain amount of sincerity and wisdom, they choose people that are of stature. He can speak a little better, he can speak a little worse, but, but, but there's a person there that you respect and, and it's wisdom. If you choose sometimes somebody just because he's nice, has a cute smile, and he's, you know, and he's, and he's, and he's a darling, and then he's, as time goes on, you realize he's not a big Talmud Chacham, or his middos are really off. I don't know, it's a real problem. You know, it's, it's time to look for a different community. That's the truth. I'm serious. If you really feel that way, and it's, and it's you know, the, the person that's clearly a, a faulty, a, a, deep, a deeply faulty character, I don't know. If you don't have a problem with the way he is, but you're talking to other people who do, well, how would you respond to the situation? You know, you can try. A lot of times there's, a, there's an issue with communication. A lot of times it's possible to bridge the gap by helping the rub understand what it is that irritates people. Sometimes it's a small thing. Sometimes it's, it's something that's just a question of how to convey the message. Um, you know, I don't know. These are, these, are, these are really tough situations. Yes, was somebody behind you? Want someone else wanted to ask you? Or yeah, okay. Um, in your opinion, what is the proper halachic approach to the situation going on with Palestinians and Arabs demanding more land from Israel? Like, to what extent should we be willing to give up land from a halachic perspective? And so I don't. I don't know. What the yeshiva's official, what this yeshiva's official halachic stance, if it has any, I, I don't know. I, I can just draw, I can map out two different approaches, and and therefore, and, and I, I, what, what I personally think shouldn't be. I don't, I'm not. I don't want to interject personally. But I can just give you. There are people, and I guess this would be more where I come from that their attitude towards Eretz Yisrael is that it's a tremendous mitzvah to live here. And, but the overriding factor is Pikuach Nefesh. What is the Pikuach Nefesh? I'm not sure if a Rav would be the right one to decide. There's, a, there's an argument to be made that giving up the land puts us in danger. There's an argument to be made that keeping the status quo puts us in a greater danger. Um, and, and I think reasonable people can see it both ways. So... The person who could make that, I don't, I don't know who, I, I don't know who's the professional. Like, who's the equivalent of a doctor for medical issues in an issue like this? I don't know. I've read, I've read many wise, you know, I remember when Kissinger, who was a brilliant, brilliant statesman, made peace in Vietnam and was like, uh, he might even won a Nobel Prize for it. And he was, I mean, he was always full of himself, but that, that, I mean, he couldn't, uh, the world wasn't big enough for him. Vietnam disappeared a few years later. To, you know, two or three years later, it was off the map. But this is because you're supposed to be a brilliant statesman. His books are you read his books; they're fantastic. N- nonsense. Um, on the other hand, I think people need to realize it's you, there's a lot of bluster in saying, "Yeah, we'll hold on to it." You're dependent, and and you're keeping a situation going that's becoming a greater pressure cooker, a greater pressure cooker. I don't know. Certainly, don't have any moves that. But my halachic position would be there. There are Abanim, um, mostly, obviously much more in Dati Lumi camp, who have this position that Eretz Yisrael is something, obviously, something you need to be most beneficial for, of Yarek Vayavu stature. 
like, and why it's not mentioned Allah, they, they, they have different reasons. In their mind, you can't, you can't give up anything. And for reasons that go beyond, it's like kind or not. So there are basically three approaches. One is make the wisest compromise possible that has a chance of bringing some peace. Two, um, giving up anything is a great sakana, and therefore we need, um, we need to um, hold on to it, suffer a little bit here and there, because that's the best option in, in terms of pikoch nefesh. And then there's a shita that at Yisrael trumps pikoch nefesh as well. Um, different nuschos, I, I obviously I identify with the first type, personally. <laughs> That's where we'll come from. And I also have an admission to make that I'm from the very first group that believes that they have to make some compromise because it's untenable the way it is. Um, it, I, it, it needs not, I, I don't feel right. It's like me going to the Nusrat community and telling them how wonderful this Hashkanaz is. Whatever, I don't know if the yeshiva has a sheet as a yeshiva or wherever you come from, but at least I can outline the different positions in a, in a, in a way that makes sense. Yes? A little bit of a similar question. Let me see, did you, you didn't ask before, did you? No. So we are going to get some new Panam Hadashas. What's your name? I'm Daniel Allen from Edison, New Jersey. Yeah. Um, can you outline, or as you said, map out the uh, the idea that Israel should not be state for Mashiach uh, comes? Should not be state for Mashiach comes? I, I mean, I know that's an opinion. I just, so, uh, okay, so let's let's move further right, and we'll map out. The anti-Zionist, the anti-Zionist, or a-Zionist understanding and again, I'm, 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 um, I'm not, I, I have no ability or right to impose personal position, but I think it's important to understand the different shittas. The people who were against the Zionists, you had the groups um, like Satma and so on, the Hungarian Hasidim that were aligned with Satma, that felt that any attempt to make a state is wrong, it's usser, we're gullus, we have to be gullus, it's based on the Mark Subis, Shalashvuas, and so on and so forth. That was their position. That it's wrong to try and do anything like that. The, the position of, I guess, Mora Guda, and again, this is where I'm personally aligned with, this is Myra Bain and so on, was different. They were against Zionism, not, they, they, they did not have a problem per se of us creating a state before Mashiach comes. Ramayisha, I think someplace wrote, it's an agarata, and it, we don't pass like that. There's no psak like that. They had a different issue. It's a more subtle issue, but I think it's a much deeper issue. Zionism was not about going to Israel and making a state and defending itself in an army. Zionism was a much deeper movement, and it's important to know the history a little bit. When the emancipation came and the world changed in the 1700s, and then in the 1800s, depending Western Europe, Eastern Europe, Jews, the first thing they did was many Jews wanted to assimilate. They were sick and tired of being third-rate citizens. I'll use the word, they were the niggas of Europe. They were the, 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 the dregs. They, 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 were, they were trampled in every way possible. The freedom to go and become like everybody else, assimilation became a, a, an attraction. The Goyim turned around and drew back a lot of their, uh, drew back a lot of their uh, freedoms. And most Jews realized it's not going to work. The Goyim will not accept us as, as Goyim. So, but, but they wanted out. So a whole bunch of movements developed. 
there was communism that felt that the problem was that that if we if we, we change the world and make it a better place and everybody's equal and so on, then antisemitism will disappear and so on. There were a group of people that said no. The reason why we're garbage and trash is because we're not a nation. It's like a homeless person. How much? What, what the word homeless and person is an axiomoron. Anyone who's homeless, we don't look at as a person. You know, we, 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 we look at contempt at someone who sleeps on the park bench, and, and, and so on. So they, their attitude, and if you read Herzl, is the Jewish nation needs to be a nation. It's a people who have a country with, with the structure of a state. Religion, up to every person. We have a tradition, it's lovely. If you don't like it, it's fine. But it, it was a redefining of the nation we're a nation, is a French people are Catholic, but France can be, the French people can be envisioned as a people without Catholicism. It, it doesn't, that's not what makes them into a people. And, you know, it, it, Americans, Americans like baseball, but, but you can't say that that's the core of it. It is, it's a, it's a, it's a thing. So the, the Zionism tried to redefine Judaism as a, a people, a nationhood, like Bulgaria and like everything else, and religion being part of it. The religious Zionists said, listen, that's their way of expressing that, but down deep they're Jewish, we'll align with it, and so on and so forth. So those were the two oppositions, just let me recap. One was the idea that until Mashiach comes, we're not allowed to do anything. One was that the Zionist movement itself is a very powerful movement that's, that's off, the ra- off the track, and we can't interact with it in a meaningful way. So those are the other. Yes? But looking from the, I guess, as you said, the good perspective, um, what, what's, what's specifically wrong with, with people identifying as a nation if they otherwise would assimilate and have nothing? Because you're only pushing the assimilation and adjuration, and also you're creating a core mystery. We became... Klal Yisrael is the people that forge a covenant with God. Anything else, you know, my father came from Lithuania, my mother from Poland, my wife from Israel. Um, You know, Jews have nothing in common except for the bris with HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that HaKadosh Baruch Hu forged a bris with us. That's, That's what we are. Take that away. We're not. We, we're not. We stole somebody's land. That's what Rashi says. Our right to Israel is because Hakadosh Baruch Hu said, "Come in." Hakadosh Baruch Hu told us, "Your right for the land is im shemor tishmu." It's it's you know our first Rashi says that the reason why he stopped Bereshis is to justify Israel. We, we have a problem. We, we write very clearly. We kicked out a lot of people to take over Israel, and it's wrong. Except that Hakadosh Baruch Hu is the landlord, and they were tenants. But Akash Baruch said, you have a right to live there only as long as you keep the mitzvahs. So, so to redefine our peoplehood in a way that's not emis is, is, is a distortion. And that's why, and that's why they, were, they, were, they were against it in a, in a fundamental way. In, in the process of, I guess, redefining it like that, if with a full emunah and Hashem, us taking over the land again and, and all this happening would be God's will. Correct. It's, well, it, I, you know, it, it's, it's hard to put... Listen, you have so many people feeling so many different things and so on. It, it's hard to say exactly this and this, but I'm saying the general process was that. 
and let me give you another thing also. The argument about at least it keeps us from assimilating, it's a problematic argument. It, it's true, but has, is the conservative or reform movement, have they helped a little bit keeping people assimilating? Possibly. The Rambam writes, Christianity and Islam have kept people from worshiping real Avodah Does that mean we should give to Catholic and, and Islam charities? I doubt it. I, I had strong doubts the Rambam had a pushka for the local mosque in his, in, his, uh, in his living room, unless the local mosque forced him to have one. That, that, you know, it, it, so we can recognize, I do think Eretz Yisrael has, whether people wanted it or not, Israel has had a tremendous role in, in, in helping bring people back and in helping keep people. Today, I think for most Jews, it's Israel and the Shoah is the only thing that, that is their identity. So there is something. Birthright attracts many people because somehow they feel Israel is, is in talks to them. I, I, can, I, I think if you look at it in reality, HaKadosh Baruch Hu certainly has meant it to be a, a point of bringing people in. What we should do about it, I think we, we, we need to focus on the Torah Mitzvah aspect of it. Yes, maybe another question too, and then we'll, yes. What's your name again? Benjamin Kakian from Long Island. This is kind of like something you said before, whenever you talked about how like the rabbis were able to tell people that they should make brachot and such, such things like that. But if it says in the Torah and the Ten Commandments that you shouldn't say God's name in vain, how did the rabbis know that they were allowed to let everyone start making brachos with Hashem's name? I think, like you said, the word in vain means there are, there are occasions when we, when we should use it and occasionally we shouldn't. Praising HaKadosh Baruch Hu is a core mission. And that's why the Chachamim who knew how to make a proper bracha, had the right to do it, the bill, and, and the obligation to do it. Maybe another question too, and then maybe some new faces, or it says, Benji. Benji is not a new face, but for the question and answer, yeah. Can we, uh, are there parts of Tanakh that we can uh, translate allegorically? The answer is, um, depending on the Indian, you might have to translate allegorically. And the, those in Yanim that deal with visions and things of that nature, they certainly are allegories. The parts that deal with historical fact, you're basically destroying the, 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 the nemanis of it. it. It depends on the context of the Pasuk. Specifically, Parshvayera, beginning of Parshvayera, with uh, when uh, the three Malachim came to Amram. Okay, that, that's the famous Rambam he's referring to, that the Rambam and Ramban argue about it. The Rambam is, is taking it allegorically only. He's not taking it allegorically. He, the Rambam says, the Rambam sheet is all over, that angels and dreams go together. Angels come in dreams, and anything that came to you in a dream was an angel. And therefore, by definition, if somebody spoke to a malach, it had to be in a cholot. So, so the word allegory is not right quite. It's, it's the right way to translate a, 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 a malach is through a dream. Yes? Max Collins from Woodbury, New York. So if that's the case, how do you explain the seeming contradictions between the first paragraph of Horatius and the second paragraph of Horatius? Meaning um, how it says that in the first paragraph that man and female were created at the same time, and then in the second paragraph it says that female was created after as an extension of man almost, or that... Uh, 
Let me give you a marshal. And, and does anyone know? You ever see? I mean, it's I'm, I'm well, not to say anymore because they have the three D three D television or movies. How do they work? Does anyone know how they work? Does anybody know how they work? Two pictures that. They're not. It's there's it more than that. Two pictures that. They're on the same screen. Overlap. No, it's two pictures that are slightly different. In other words, how does how does how does your mind form a three D image? It works like this. My right eye and my left eye don't see exactly the same thing. Obviously, they're coming from different angles. The mind sits and says to itself, "Why am I getting two different pictures?" So it must be that it's deep, and therefore, therefore, it translates it into depth. So I don't know if you ever seen when we were kids that these little kaleidoscope things. I don't think you know where you look at that. You could see 3D images because it worked. You saw one image here, one image here, and the mind puts it together. That's why people who have only one eye, they have trouble gauging depth. And if you ever see, there's sometimes steps where you can't tell if it's steps or not because the way it's positioned, it's very hard to, and it gets very annoyed. You're not sure if there's a white line, it's a real step, and so on. It, it, that's how the mind sees 3Ds. There's, there's something... One of the 13 meters is Shneik When we have a contradiction of two parishes, that tells us we need to understand what must be the 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 the, the um, what must be the truth, which in one way looks this way, one way looks the other way. So if I tell you that Ruven is a nice person. And someone else tells me he is a difficult person. One way of, of, of reconciling is that one of us is lying. The right way of reconciling is this person knows him in business, this person knows him on the golf course. Sometimes a guy is nice in business and mean on the golf course, sometimes vice versa, then it's more important. But, but, the, but, the, um, but that's, so when I have two parishes like that, that's where Chazal Darsh, Chazal say, I have one person like this, one person like this. I got spoke, spoke to him from here, I spoke to him from here. Which is it? It, there must be an answer that fits both. In case, I don't know if, you, if you know, a cat skin works like that. A cat skin has an X-ray coming from a lot of different angles, and the, and the computer says, how come I'm getting these different images? It must be that the real thing looks like this, and that's why from this angle, it's this angle, this angle, so on and so forth. So, so two psukim that contradict each other, Chazal will usually fill in for us what's the piece that's missing. Yes? What's your name? David Goodenacher from Queens. Yeah. Um, it's not really a question that I want to ask much, but I know that other people wanted it asked. Um, so recently in America, there's a lot of uh, controversy over a topic about um, Orthodox schools letting girls put on spilling. Right. Do you have an opinion or anything to say about that? Um, it, it's one of these... Um, <laughs> It's it's one. Let me say to you the, the area and why, what's important, what's about the issue. Halakhically, um, it's hard to find a problem with it. They can do mitzvahs that are zman grama, even though they're not chayev. The real issue is as follows: two problems. One is there's a reason. There must be a reason why for a thousand years 
women bench on Lulvan Essig, and, and, and even though not Chayev to the Hesh Shafer, and everybody seems to find it, they never want to ask the film. Why not? They, 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 you know, it's, it's like the same like Chayvus. Masoris is very powerful, and to change it on a whim, without a really good reason to make extreme changes, it's, you know, a Mozartel Varaya, we need to ask ourselves why or what. Secondly, the, where's it coming from? You know, women are hired to dress according to halacha. And, you know, there's room to be machmer, there's room to keep halacha, and there's room to cut corners, literally and figuratively. Why is it that the same person who is looking for the greatest cooler possible, you know, pachas mikimel, lavud, all sorts of different, that's in an era when you have seven spaces, and as long as the three fachim between them, it's considered closed, and so on. It's not considered closed, and it's considered closed. The, 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 um, that, the person has no problem with. All of a sudden, and tefillin is the midst they're running for. So where's it coming from? The answer is because since culturally, women's egalitarian, the egalitarian, the gender egalitarianism is a big thing, so somebody woke up and said, "We're demanding we're gal- you know to be equal in college and 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 dorms and everything else." But in shul, we're not. So let's do the same. It's not coming. It's coming from some place other than the right place. And and it's it's a, a sense. Nobody. I, you can't accuse any one person because people will be very annoyed and they'll say, "What are you talking about? You can't see my heart. You don't know." But if I need to stand back and ask myself, here are women that do very little. Mitzvahs, you know, they cut corners in every way possible, and all of a sudden, it's like what I find amazing is the same schools where the girls insist that they need to learn Gemara, the boys are nowhere to be found during Gemara. It's like the same schools that have a track record where Gemara is the university's most boring subject, and nobody wants to take Gemara. The girls are thrilled and they want Gemara. Is it not coming from something other than? A, a, a desire to follow Yiddishkeit, and I think that's where the issue lies. Yes. Just point on that. Just a question: A man can go to the Kotel and Chavanics will run at him with tefillin to beg him to put tefillin on. Right. So how would you respond to a woman if, if you would give that answer to them, who, who somebody who's passionate about this? They would say to you, "What do you mean, like a guy can just go do that? Why can't I go do that?" Well, once you're breaking the bounds, there's no difference. So, like, yeah, guys also looking for kulas. In, in other areas. I'll say, so for a man not to wear film, he's being over. It's a, the Gemara calls it Kakafta Lemonach film is a terrible affair. So, so a man, I'm, I'm, I'm helping him do what he must do. For a woman, she has her mitzvahs, her world, raising children, having children. You know, every, every moment of, that a woman gives her child is holy, it's precious. And, and we need to find our fulfillment in the mitzvahs that Kachbarahu wants. Not what we choose, and you know that's it, it, a man putting out film is very common. And by the way, that same school, I'm sure there are plenty of boys that on off day don't particularly put on film. You know, it's 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 the reality of it. Yes. Um, so this is kind of touching upon another question I had. Um, I've heard people when they talk about non-Jews refer to them not necessarily like terribly, but like like I'm not going to. Like let it go and clean my house. Like, it's not, like something that I've heard specifically in like kind of grandparents and people like that. And so, 
Do you think it's just like a Western influence that's it's a bad Western influence that people think equality is better things no. like that? Or, no, like, God is not necessarily like, oh, it's just a guy, like he's a person too. The, the real Torah Hashkafa is that every single person is created with Salman Lakim. That Akadish Baruch who didn't want to destroy stone, Kachbok didn't want to destroy Mitzrayim, that we're going to bring Mashiach in order to bring Gula to the world as a whole, that every human being is precious, and so on. Our relationship with the Goyim in Europe was horrible. And I don't think it was our fault. Uh, I don't know, we might have done things wrong, but I think, you know, I think everybody realizes where it was. So, so that was an attitude. Having said that, so there's something to be said about the attitude of Menschlichkeit, of looking at someone like him, respecting everyone, and so on. But I think you also have to bear in mind, you don't want to break down cultural barriers. You want that your interaction with non-Jews should be respectful, should be caring, sensitive. But Havdolah, between Kaisal and is a real, is, is an extremely important um, it, it, it's extremely important value in Allah. And for us to engage in the lowest commonality, they drink beer, we drink beer, they go to, they sit in games, we sit in games, they sit in movies, we sit in movies. It, you, you don't want to break the barriers down, but you want to fulfill your, your, your um, real obligation to treat everybody. It's all about Yes? Yes? Uh, David Gold from Lawrence, New York. Yeah. Um, the Rambam mentions in Hilbo's Torah how much one should learn in day and how much one should work. Right. Um, and if I recall correctly, he says one should work only three hours in the day. Right. So how would that apply nowadays? Well, if you sit in curly, I'm not working three hours a day usually. The, 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 um, the, 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 the things like this. You have to translate the Rambam. What the Rambam is saying is... I say you know, right. That a person should plan his day that he should be mostly learning of it. Is, is it possible today to do that or not? Let me tell you, let me share something with you. By us in Yeshiva, Yeshiva is physically located in the Washington community. It's, the, it's like in the center. The Washington community is by and large, almost everybody's professional. And there's a lot of interaction out of me that usually end up in, in some of the professions in Washington. One of our Talmidim, who's a brilliant law student, really brilliant, really, really somebody who, is, who did um, phenomenally well, and um, had a choice, an agonizing choice to make, whether or not to go into, private, into a private law or government law. The difference is a few hundred thousand dollars a year. Um, a private job, this person could have gotten well over 500. After a year or two, he would have been, he would have been probably doing $600,000 a year. As a government, he'll top at 150. It's not going to go further than that. The difference, however, is if he works in a private law firm, he has no day, no night. He's, he's, he's you know, he's mishubin. He's, you know, Shabbos has over, that's it. In the government, it's very flexible. Government is a great employer. They, 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 they believe in davening with a minion. They believe in learning kaveitim. And they, the, the hours in the government are great. And this person had to struggle with it, and it wasn't easy. And he chose to go to government. And you know, he lives very, very frugally. But in the morning, as I said before davening, at night he says a shir, Shabbos is a shir. You know, and that's a modern day translation of the Rambam. We don't have 
there's no such, there are no jobs today for three hours that, that will pay you a salary to live on. So, but, but we do have choices to make. And a person knows even business. A person can expand to a degree where he has no life left over, or he can, you know, he, he can have a business and he's very good at it, and there's a lot of potential, but, he, but you know, he's, he's reining it in because I, I want to have a ruchnistika talk to myself. Those are, those, that's the challenge. That's how we translate it today's level. Okay, maybe one more question. That's it. Yes. Um, so, myself and my roommate very much enjoy reading you know, literature or historical novels or things of that sort. Um, what, what do you think that the, the Torah approach or the like, learning approach to that would be? Like, how much should you want to read? Should you want to read at all? Um, if a person, th- there is value in many things. I, I I also like to read a lot. I, I I'm I you know it's something that you know I, I but you, you need to be master of yourself. You can't read to a degree that it, it's taking your head out of learning that you can't focus anymore on learning. You can't. Um, you, you need to sit down and ask yourself what's an appropriate amount for me to read. People who, who enjoy that much usually need some of it. In order to, in order to relax, that, but that's you know they need to shift gears, and you have to be honest with yourself. What amount will optimize your day and, and your your week and balance it in a way? When you're reading, also, if you're reading things, many of the things you read and you get into, you have to ask yourself, whose shoes am I in? In other words. If you read a novel, I'm talking about a good novel, a novel with, with real value, not, not, not trash. Um, but, but you're in somebody's shoes. It, 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 you know, it, 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 it has an effect on you. Um, is this right? Is this not right? Uh, do I want to go there or not? And I, so, so I think if, if, if you're master of it, then I think it's, it's positive or necessary at the least because that's who you are. But you need to be able to control yourself and say, this is something I ought not read. This is something that maybe I, I, I can read, but it just gets me so into it, I can't, when I'm learning, I'm daydreaming about it, and I need to cut back on it. This is something that I can read and ought to read, and it's something of value, and it gives me some, some get a breather. I, I think being able to be an honest master over, over yourself is, is the key. It's true by anything. If a person can make decisions, stick to them, and understand that there's room for almost everything. Okay, I very enjoyed the, you know, uh, being with you. And, uh,